when it comes to heating up your business, it's all about making more bacon. And that requires an expert with a particular set of skills. You need a Baconologist. Building authentic connections, online networking, through social selling, relationship marketing, mindset and training. Yeah, that's bacon. Get ready, because we're about to fry up a sizzling success strategy. This is the Bacon Podcast with your host and business Baconologist, Brian Basilico. It's a lot of bees, man. Welcome, everybody. I'm your host, Brian Basilico, and this is the podcast where you learn to make your business sizzle online. So are you ready to fry up some new business? Hey, peeps, I am uber excited today. I have an incredible guest. Her name is Julie Migliacci, and she is with Revents Consulting. And today we are going to be talking about virtual events. Now, you may think, hey, this is, you know, the time where people are getting together in person, but virtual events are still hot and still a thing. And that's what we're going to discuss. So Julie, how the heck are you? I'm good. How are you doing, Brian? I'm fantastic. So you're up in Boston and you went through yeah. a wicked hard call freeze, right? And you had a couple of pints. <laughs> <We did>. <laughs> <laughs> Just a couple. Just a couple. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, luckily I didn't have to deal with that at this time, but you know, you never know. So the bottom line is I want people to get to know you first before we get into our topic of doing virtual events. So how did you go from working at the busiest Starbucks on the East Coast serving up hot coffee to basically serving up coffee to meeting clients virtually and making sure they showed up? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it was quite the journey um, to get from point A to point B, but... Pretty much I was going to school studying political science, which obviously has nothing to do with what I do today, but, you know, needed to get that beer money. So I started working at the local Starbucks on my university campus that was the busiest Starbucks at the time on the East Coast. So learn really quickly customer service when you have super stressed out college students in front of you that are terrified of failing. Um, And then after college, I bummed around a little bit, I lived in Southeast Asia, then went back to my home country of France. And then my husband got into grad school in Syracuse, New York, and I needed a job. So started looking for jobs and landed uh, working for a small event company up there, uh, the events company, if you're in upstate New York, highly recommend them. And they sort of gave me my shot. Uh, into the event space. So I was doing mostly weddings, some corporate events at the time. And then when my husband finished grad school, we moved to New York City, where I got into the big in-person events in New York, where you got a few million dollars to play with, you get to shut down Times Square. Uh, We broke a few world records at the time, uh, doing various experiential events, and really, really loved it. Transition into virtual events was working for one of the big, big streaming providers in the space and just totally fell in love with it. Really saw the future of the event industry where you could really comprehend where in-person events were going to transition to full virtual and where hybrid was going to become um, a game changer where doing not just a live stream where you're just sending out the content from the in-person event to the web, but really creating an impactful experience for the web audience. 
Uh, fast forward a few years, me and my two business partners left to open up our own company, Revent, and really wanted to focus on the attendee experience and the customer experience. And where we're a little different from others is that we are platform agnostic. So we will work with whatever technology is best suited for what our clients are trying to do. Uh, and then obviously COVID happened, which everybody moved online. Our sales pitch got so much easier as we didn't have to explain what a hybrid or virtual event is as people got to experience it on their own. And today the virtual and hybrid event space is where we thought we were going to be been like 10 years where having the opportunity to do a virtual hybrid is sort of another tool in the event planner box where you can look at every event now and be like, hey, is this better suited for in-person? Is this better suited for hybrid? Or is this actually better suited for a virtual event? Because all three of them have their own perks. And it's really fun to see how the industry is changing right now. Mm -hmm. So that's my origin story for you. That's a um, a great story. <laughs> and <laughs> and then the other thing, too, is 2019-20, you know, when we got into COVID and stuff like that. I think one of the, the problems is that everybody had to scramble and do remote events, right? You've already been mm -hmm. in this space for 10 years. And so you you understood it, I think, better than the average person did. I mean, half the people didn't know what Zoom was, you know, when that all kicked into gear. And then after a year, two years of doing nothing but Zooms all the time, we all became Zoomies, right? I mean, it's like, oh, another Zoom meeting. You know, it's like everybody was just sick of it. So talk about what the perceived problem is because the way i look at it is i think that people want to get together now they want to get together in person they finally can and and so they're pushing for that but i think the perceived problem is a little bit different right when you're talking about the virtual the hybrid the in-person event what what are people not getting i think there is a perception mostly because of covid that virtual is just done when it's a necessity, when you have no other choice, when in-person is not an available option for you. Uh, and that virtual or hybrid is less than the in-person event. And that perception, while in some cases it's true, uh, having a Zoom happy hour, if we never do those ever again, <laughs> it won't be true. <laughs> They're awful. Uh, and I'm the first to say it. Uh, so that perception that you, if you're opting to do offer your attendees a hybrid or virtual is that you're short changing them. And I really believe that's wrong, mostly because if virtual is done right and if hybrid is done right, it could really create a really cool experience for attendees that you never thought you would be able to reach. And they're much more likely to be engaged in your content if you give them that flexibility that virtual gives you. Um, so I think that's the perceived problem right now that people have. And we're here to help them, you know, see the other side of that. Right. And I also think the real problem, you know, when we get down to it. So the perceived problem is, you know, people think that remote is just for certain situations. But the real problem, I think, is financial. Obviously, we're mm -hmm. getting into a point now where, 
you know, hopping on an airplane is more expensive. Um, travel is more expensive. Getting people to show up at events and just the cost of putting on a live in-person event is a gamble, right? I mean, you don't know how many mm-hmm. people are going to show up. It was one thing when you had it year after year after year and you can kind of trend it. And now everything's kind of flipped, right? So is the real problem somewhat financial based? Uh, I would, yeah, I would totally agree with that. If you look at who was doing virtual pre-pandemic, it was a large, it was a lot of medium to large size corporations. So where their workforce was spread out across the globe and in order to do a town hall or a sales kickoff or something like that, it would be like totally expensive and like, you know, we're talking about probably a million dollars to bring out your entire workforce for having to be there plus the loss in revenue because your workforce is no longer contributing to your business, all those things. The early adapters are virtual were those companies that really needed to be able to communicate with their entire community without, you know, totally breaking the bank. Mm -hmm. So now that is also being seen by everybody. We're seeing conferences that used to be pre-pandemic in person that went virtual during the pandemic that then try to go back to in person saw attendance was super low, but now they've spent $200,000 where in virtual they were spending 15, that their ROI was not what they expected it to be in person. And now they're pivoting back to virtual because they're able to touch their community in a different way, but just as impactful if it's done right and save a ton of money so that they could keep it within their organization to do more content and more events. So it sounds like the solution to this problem, number one, I, if it was me, I would call you up and say, Julie, you know, talk about the differences, talk about the setup, talk about the way that it works. So what's the solution? How does somebody figure out whether they need to do a live event, a hybrid event or a virtual event? Uh, I think like any event planning process, the first question you want to ask yourself is the why. Why are we doing this event? Is it to have fun? Is it to fundraise? Is it to educate? Is it to bring people together? Is it to network? What is the main why of why you were trying to bring humans together? And that will be a big dictator of which of the three routes you should take. If you're, again, if you're doing a happy hour that's really more focused about getting people to bump elbows, don't do virtual or hybrid not the right solution for you however if you really want to get people from different parts of the world to communicate together and to be able to brainstorm together and be together then that's where virtual is going to be your real home run uh if you're doing fundraising as your main goal hybrid is a great spot for you because you get to bring all the people together in a room for the live event which is fun to get to break bread. They got a little too many drinks and maybe give you a little something, something extra uh, when they're donating and really taking advantage of that. But by adding a hybrid component, you're also able to touch an audience that couldn't physically be there. You know, maybe they couldn't find a babysitter or they live across the country and they're not going to fly in for, you know, a two hour event. You're able to tap into those donors and create an experience for them where they're able to re-engage with you, they're able to donate, they're able to be educated as to the work you're doing, 
So hybrid is a perfect solution for something like that. So, you know, the why is really going to dictate where you're going to go. Absolutely. So let's say somebody decides, okay, I want to explore this. I'm assuming that you have a process in place um, like Mm -hmm. anything else. So the key thing is, is you've got to get people to decide what steps they want to take. Right. So Mm -hmm. give me the steps that you walk through to get people from pre-planning to execution to post-op. So if they're coming to us, you know, they just have an idea. They haven't really done much. So we'll definitely talk about the why. That's the first thing. We'll, we'll be the first people to push people towards an in-person event if we really believe that is correct. Even if we're not in-person event planners, uh, we really want to make sure the client has the event they want to do. Once we've decided that we are moving forward with a hybrid or virtual format, we're then going to look at different technology options that is going to be the perfect mirror of what they're trying to do. So it's like picking a venue. So, you know, you want to make sure that if you're doing gala, you're not doing your event in a conference room. The same applies for virtual. If you're doing a big gala, you're more going to go towards a Remo solution or webinar.net, one of those platforms that's different from the Zoom or Teams meeting you've been in all day. So helping them find their virtual home is the next step. And then from there, you start designing the event. You start picking out the decor, creating the graphics. What is that attendee experience? If it's a full conference, you know, we're looking at platforms such as Excel events, Swoogo, those types of technology where you really want to make sure that from ticketing to giving them access to the platform where they could start networking, getting to know each other is super smooth, working properly, it's branded properly. We have pre-recorded content available directly upon entry, you know, all those things. So the design of that experience, and then we design the agenda. So what, you know, when you're doing something virtual, you don't want to mirror an in-person agenda, keeping people hostage in a virtual environment for more than 30 minutes to an hour is mean. In person, you can keep them in a ballroom for four hours, not a problem. Virtually, you want to keep it really, really tight, mostly because virtual burnout kicks in at about 37 minutes. So we help design that agenda so that we keep burnout in mind. We add more breaks. We create more moments for them to step away from their computers. If we can't do more breaks, we make sure that the content is ever-changing. And that could be adding polls, doing a pre-recorded video, Doing something that has nothing to do with your content, all of a sudden having a cooking demo or a magician or doing some trivia, uh, doing those types of things to change the mood a little bit, to re-engage people. And if you're hybrid, we're going to sort of work with that agenda to make it work for both worlds. So we try to reduce the agenda as much as possible when it's hybrid to keep the web audience more engaged and keep it nice and short. But the benefit of doing that for hybrid is that it also gives the in-person audience more time to do what's great about being in person, which is breaking bread, exchanging ideas, bumping into people you haven't seen in a very long time. Maybe it's dancing. It's whatever the event is. So working through that agenda to make sure that it flows really well. And then we design the actual live feed. So if it's full virtual Are we doing an interactive session where we're using breakout rooms and those types of features? Or is it more like a television style production 
where there's graphics and tickers and, you know, moving content, we want it to look hyper-produced. So talk through that. If it's hybrid, do we need one, two, three cameras? We want to make sure that stage design is done just so, so it looks great in the room, but also you're not going to have a big old screen right behind the speaker when it's caught on camera and then you can't see the speaker's facial expressions because the screen is lighting them the wrong way. So it's working through all that and then event execution. So attendee support they have, making sure the platform's working properly, the live feeds are running smoothly, all those things. And then, you know, closing it out at the end with what are we doing with all this recorded content? Are we sending it on demand? Are we cutting it into clips for social media? You know, all this data is all of a sudden available and what do you do with it? And we help clients, you know, figure that out because you get a ton, ton, ton of data from hybrid and virtual. So, you know, the, the couple of things that I got from what you just said, number one, you hurt my brain. Um, so, <laughs> you know, you need to get you need to hire somebody to take care of all that detail because that's a lot of damn detail. The second thing that you said that really got me excited is you create a ton of data, which means that you've created content that can be utilized over and over and over again. And, and that can be cataloged and, and used in ways that I, I don't think people would really think about doing a live event, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, because you've, you've got a lot more content that has been recorded without the hassle of going back and doing post editing and, and a bunch of other things, you know, my video brain kicks into gear. It's like, oh my God, three camera shoot, editing this takes time. You know, exactly. it, 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 there's just, it, there's a ton of value in it. Okay, so now comes the, um, uh, uh, instead of saying the $64,000 question, maybe it's a 6,400 or 6.4 million, who knows? Um, the key question is, give me an outcome, give me a, uh, a success story where somebody was going to do a live event, but they either did a virtual or hybrid where they went, oh my God, this is awesome. Oh, there's so many, uh, you know, beginning of the pandemic, there was so many examples, like so many clients we helped through that process. One of them was a small conference that happened once a year and it, it was scheduled for May of 2020. So like right as everybody was locking down, this was an organization that if this conference didn't happen, they were shutting their doors. So they came to us in a panic. We had six weeks to plan a full virtual conference. Normally you have six months just to give everybody a sense of the timelines. Wow. Six yeah. weeks, we ended up uh, picking a platform called IBM. There wasn't a lot of virtual event platforms at the time that were conference and budget friendly. Uh, the average virtual environments, what we call for conferencing platforms, they normally, they, back then, they started at $75,000. So we were looking to be a lot more budget conscious because this organization had just lost money on the venue, the food, and all the things they had prepaid for. So trying to be as budget friendly as we could. And we pulled together this conference in six weeks. It had, I think, three or four tracks going all day long. Um, traditionally they would get like, I think like 300 people, they got 600. Wow. It changed the way, and this is a small group, you know, we're not talking about anything major, but for this small group, it changed the way they did business. They then, after the event started doing webinars, they started doing all this online content and not just because of COVID, they saw the value and the need of it. 
and that they were able to engage people from all over the world. I remember at one point during the program, we got a text message from them. be like, oh my God, somebody from Indonesia is on our event. Can you believe it? And it was such a cool moment to see them accept and see the value of virtual in a real way that they were really able to tap into a much wider community than if they had just kept with their in-person. And that was a really, really fun one. Uh, actually, IBM, we used IBM's platform and they thought we used that platform in such a cool and unique way that they wrote up, they did a whole like blog post about it because nobody had used their platform like that before. Um, so we really pushed it to the limits and that was a really fun one. Uh, but I mean, there's so many examples. Um, another one of our clients is a yoga studio out of Watertown, Mass., where uh same thing first few weeks of the pandemic i was actually one of their students and she switched to online and if you need yoga in watertown artemis studio it's amazing and <laughs> little plug in there cool. <laughs> uh and you know went in helped her get up run, up and running on zoom now you know we're out of the pandemic she's still running zoom programming because it allowed her to like, I left that area, I moved and I still attend her yoga classes because she has zoom offerings and we helped her get set up. And now we actually help her with a series about yoga and aging to show people how to do yoga, you know, when you're 45 and up all the way up, to, I think some of the students are in their 80s, like help and the power of being able to do it from home for people that might not be as mobile to still be able to experience a healing practice is so amazing. And without virtual, mm -hmm. that wouldn't have been possible financially and uh, for the attendees to be able to show up. So it's really, really cool to see how it's changed the way small businesses have are doing business. And you know, this is the kind of innovation I think that people, you know, it, you obviously see people with chat, you know, GPT. It's like, this is going <laughs> to change the world. Now, you know, the world has already been changed. You just don't know it yet, you know, is the way I look at it. And everybody jumps on the hot thing, but there's many things like this that I think people need to explore. So if they wanted to learn more about you, your company, Revents, and and anything else about, you know, virtual or online conferences, what's the best way for them to contact you? Sure. Uh, you can definitely go to our website. So it's revent.consulting. .consulting is a domain. You don't have to add .com. Uh, you can also email me at julie at revent.consulting. And if you're thinking about doing something like this, I will let you pick my brain, like come pick my brain, no cost. Uh, let's talk it through and see what your options are and how we can create a great online experience for you. Excellent. Hey, Julie, this has been amazing. Some great content, great ideas, great stories, and uh, hopefully some great Starbucks served to a lot of college kids. Uh, but anyways, I appreciate you and your time. Thanks for coming on and dropping some sizzling hot bacon knowledge bombs on my peeps. And I look forward to talking to you again in the future. Thank you so much, Brian, for having me. Thank you for letting us sprinkle some bacon bits into your brains. Want some more? Learn more about this podcast and our guest experts at baconpodcast.com. Have questions? Send them to askbrian at baconpodcast.com. Until next time, keep sizzling. And remember, it's all about the bacon. <laughs>